Hey guys, welcome back to another video. I am joined today with my first in-person collaboration with, uh, I, uh, we need to talk with Chris Godinez. Yes! <laughs> and we are gonna chat about a couple of things I've been wanting to ask her for a while. But before we jump into that, for the people who don't know who she is, could you tell a little bit about yourself and I, where they can find you? Yes, I am a licensed professional counselor in Arizona. I have the We Need to Talk channel on YouTube. I also have Facebook and, good Lord, bunch of other stuff. So anyway, that's where I am. So, and I'll put yes. links in the description of the video. So definitely go check her out. Um, you know, everyone talks a little bit about how, uh, you know, I am very cautious of my language. She cuts right to the quick, tells you how it is. A lot of great information. You do a weekly Sunday show, right? Weekly Week Sunday show on YouTube. Yes. So, and if you sign up on her Facebook thing, she'll put out what the topic is. So you know what it is and you can get your questions ready and uh, she'll do the topic and then hit the questions. It's really yes. cool. I, I get to watch it every once in a while. I try not to say too much. I uh, don't want to detract from anything. But uh, but, Chris, the, yes. the, one of the things I wanted to ask you is I know a lot of people when they're dealing with a narcissist, people will say, uh, well, we'll start with the merit when you're in the beginning part of it when you really don't know. Mm -hmm. It's like, let's say, don't ever go to a therapist with a narcissist. And I know I've said to other people, because I understand that, you know, if you don't, right, if you don't try, then sometimes you can really beat yourself up on it. Yeah. What do you recommend for somebody who is realizing that maybe something's not right or they're trying, they want to save their marriage, they're struggling with, you know, is Billy or is Susie really toxic or are they, they don't even know about the narcissist thing, but if they're watching this video, they at least probably have that. What do you recommend for somebody in that type of situation? So it, it's really, it's a, it's walking the knife's edge is what it is. Because if you go to therapy with a narcissist, with an abuser, mm -hmm. um, they will take whatever you say in therapy and use it against you. Like everything you say can and will be used against you. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So like, let's say you go to, to couples counseling and right. you bring up a very serious issue. Let's say that the, the partner is cheating, mm -hmm. right? Or accusing you of cheating. Right. And then it turns out, oh no, they're the one that's cheating. Yeah. So what they'll do is they'll come home and they'll go, well, why did you bring that up? And da 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 da, -da And they'll just pound you with whatever you said in therapy and abuse you with it, basically. Right. So that's why therapists say, for the love of God and all, totally don't go. However, you brought up a really good point, and I want you to talk about that, and then I'll, I'll answer. So, and, and this is, and, and I, and listening to what you're saying, it's spot on. And what I would say when I tell people is you have to go in hoping for the best, right? Right. But being realistic and looking at the actions and the words, yes. because a narcissist or a toxic person will match. say one thing and show something else. So in my mind, if I was, if that was a situation, if I had gone to therapy, this is hypothetical because this wasn't my situation, but let's say, and I did actually try marriage counseling with mine and it was a complete disaster. Disaster, yeah. But what I will say is in that situation you were just talking about, if you go back and you start getting attacked, that right there is more real tangible evidence that you're dealing with somebody that you're not going to be able to, well, to, to deal with. Yes, because in a healthy, normal relationship, what ends up happening is after the therapy session, the couple comes together and goes, oh. I didn't know you felt that way. Right. Oh my gosh, let's let's work on this. Let's work on the communication. Let's set up a date night. Let's, you know, let's keep going and let's let's make sure we keep going to therapy. What ends up happening with a narcissist is they take the information, they beat the living crap out of you, and then they start coming up with excuses why they can't continue to go. Because as right. soon as the therapist points the finger at them and says, You're the problem. Well, or, and, yeah. and, and then the other part I want to add on that, and this is the other thing I think people need to be aware of, if well, and I'll ask you this because I'm not a I'm not a therapist, and right. you are. So my take on it is, 
if I go to a therapist for marriage counseling mm -hmm. and very quickly or in a very short order, that therapist is siding with one person over the other, that's a horrible bad sign. That's a horrible bad sign. Because that's not your job. No, no. Right. So a, a, a therapist's job in marriage counseling, we advocate for the relationship, not for a particular person. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if the therapist is advocating for one or the other and they're not balanced and they're not advocating for the relationship, then you've got a bad therapist. Get the hell out. That's the best I, I can say. And I, exactly. And I think that's a really critical point to hit because, you know, it, it's two part, right? I mean, I, I do agree that if you know, if you know, and you strongly suspect that your partner is a toxic narcissist or just toxic. I mean, let's say they're, you don't even, you know, it's not even to the thing, you know, we won't even get into diagnosing because or they're just abusive. Yeah. It, it's you take that information, use that as, as, as data points to validate your concerns. Right. 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 So if you were to go, like you were saying, and you, and you go and the therapist is being neutral and actually working to help both of you. Right. And afterwards you're having conversations about, Oh wow. You know, let's, what can we do to fix this? Mm -hmm. Because like in my situation, I mean, the therapist did that stuff and it's like, Hey, what can you guys do together? And you know, we throw some stuff out there and it's like, you should do that. The ex, in my situation, she had no, you know, like, nope, not going to do it. Um, I even did some things, not at the request of the therapist, but I was doing a lot of reading, like the five level languages. I was, I looked at that. Yep. I found it very fascinating. And if anyone's hasn't read that, I don't know what your view on it is. Yeah, I like it. I think it's a great thing because it helps you find how other, each other ticks and then find what the other person needs and they know what you need. And if you're working cooperatively, <laughs> that's the key word, <laughs> then you will, you will do that. In my situation, uh, when I found that, I'm, you know, I went to, to mine and, and I'm like, hey, you know, you should read this book. She's like, I'm not reading that book. I don't read that book. I won't do it. Right. See, and that's just it. So yeah. the therapist or the spouse will say, hey, I found this great book. Can right. we please do this or can we please work on this? And then what the abuser will do is like, oh, it, well, I don't read. I don't have time. I'm too busy. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. That's blah, not my, well, because mine thing. actually reads all the time. Right. My ex. It's not my um, thing. But I don't read that type of thing. Yeah. I only read fantasy. I don't read self-help books, so, so I'm not going to do it. Here's, here's reality. <laughs> if your spouse comes to you and says, honey, we have a problem. A normal, healthy person yeah. will say, oh my God, let's go fix this. I will read whatever needs to be read. I will do whatever yeah. needs to be done mm -hmm. in order to fix the relationship because here's my priority. You and I are my priority. It's, With a narcissist, it's never It's so funny you said that because mm -hmm. I, I actually said that to her a few times. Um, you know, it's like, hey, you're the priority. The relationship is a priority. I had some hobby. I had uh, guitars and stuff. I'm like, if that's a problem, I'll, I mean, I literally was at the point at the, that stage, if she would have said your guitars are, are a problem, I was going to throw them in the trash. And but see, here's the thing. Well, I didn't know. Yes. But see, and, 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 <laughs> we and, and this talk kinda, about that. And, yeah. And this gets into the, into the point I was talking about is I could, if, and, and just for anyone who doesn't know, um, I'm the one who left in my situation. It, it, the data points stacked up enough to where I'm like, I just can't deal with this. And I was, yeah. I had, we had a marriage counselor. I had my own therapist and it just came to a head. But what I was trying to do or what I needed to do for me is if I didn't try I don't know if I would have been able to leave. forgive myself and yeah. I definitely wouldn't be able to leave, right? So that's a point. So so basically, my, my thing is don't go. If you know they're abusive, don't go. But you've got a good point. You've got a really good point. So if you are in denial to the point where you're like, but, but, but I have to do everything I can mm -hmm. to save the relationship. Mm -hmm. And this is what we do because we yeah. get deep into that denial. Oh yeah. If oh, yeah. we get to that point, then fine, go to marriage counseling, 
but be aware if they use anything that you say against you, if they are combative, if they are resistant, if they won't take the suggestions of the counselor, be done. And you know, and one thing I, I probably need to mention on this that I think was probably a saving grace on this is I had my own therapist and we were doing the marriage counseling. Right. So so it wasn't just the marriage counselor that was dealing with both of right. us or even individually because we did do some individually, but I still had someone, you know, <laughs> on the side uh, who was helping me out. And actually I was using at the time, I was using uh, the EAP, the Employee Assistance Program. Yeah, EAP. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say I was getting the P first. Yeah, okay. So anybody <laughs> who has a bigger company, you might have an EAP that gives you maybe 6 to 12 sessions with a licensed therapist that's contracted with your employer to provide that. Yes. Now, you won't be able to go with them for years, right. but you can at least, if money's an issue or you're just concerned, it's, an, it's a, a resource that you should definitely look into. Another thing that you can look into too is that psychology departments will have a practicum program. So if they do, you can get free counseling through oh, them. So okay. like the University of Phoenix, at least I know they do that. They're looking for people to have the master students practice on. You'll get six weeks of free counseling. So, oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. And it's supervised by a master's level counselor. So. Yeah, that's one thing. I just just to, to hit on this that, uh, um, I, and I know this kind of is a little off topic, but we were talking about this a little bit before. Mm-hmm. Is I don't think, I don't think people really understand. Well, my girlfriend is in the process to to get licensed, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I I have a little bit of an insight just from somebody who's struggling to find a, 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 a supervised um, observation yes. or what do you can it Yeah, the supervision. Supervision hours. Yeah. I mean, you have to get a master's degree. Mm-hmm. Then you have to get like 2,000 or 3,000 hours of supervised. 3,000. Is it gone up? I yeah, can't remember. Yeah, 3,000 in Arizona. Yeah. And, and just so you realize, I mean, most of the time when you're working, you're not doing eight hours a day of bona fide time that can be counted. I mean, sometimes if you're lucky. But, mm. but it's, it takes a <laughs> tremendous thing to be... A therapist. Yeah. The other thing I want to mention, and I, I think we may have talked about this before, is a therapist isn't a coach. No. They, and, and I think a lot of people miss that. And I did too, because mm-hmm. when I was going to mine, I'm like, okay, this person has all the answers. And she actually did have a lot of answers. <laughs> um, but I didn't realize at first that, you know, she can't say, hey, knucklehead, um, you know, can't you see the, the tea leaves here, you right. know? It's like, I mean, so your job is almost like a guide to help the person understand. Yes. So the difference between a life coach and a therapist. Life coaches deal with what is happening in the present. So like, you're having issues with this. I can coach you through that right here, right now. My job is to go back and go, lie on the couch and tell me about your mother and your father. (laughs) And why are you dating abusers? So my, my job is to go back through the childhood and figure out, what the hell? What what caused this codependency? What caused right. this desire to please somebody who's mm-hmm. unpleasable? Right. What caused this issue? So this is obviously rooted in what was in the past. So it, does that make sense? So life yeah. coaches deal with the present. I, I deal I, with the past. I always like to try to bring that up because I know a lot of people mm-hmm. think that, if, that they're going to go to their therapist. They're going to say, this is my situation. And they're going to go, oh, dude, or oh, honey. You need to do this. You need to get the hell out of there. That person's abusive. Yeah, you know? I will. I will give a caveat on that. Okay. There are times when I have said that. Well, but then it's almost like a mandatory report type thing, yes. right? I mean, yeah. that, okay. So, so that's... like, so like, if a woman or a man, and men can be abused too, guys. This is the thing that drives me crazy. Is that for oh, yeah. some reason, in almost all the books, I love Harriet Breaker, but she always does this thing where it's like, 
women are the abused and men are the abuser. I'm like, no, 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 no. I've seen women be the abusers. So if a man comes to me, I got a story for you on that one. And the woman has, for example, framed them for domestic violence, threw um, themselves into a glass coffee table. I've heard of that. Yeah, crazy. So, um, you know, that type of situation, that is when I will look at my client and go, take a deep breath. If a friend of yours yeah. said this to you, what would you tell? I'd tell them to get out and I'd be like, yes! Oh my God, get the hell out. Yeah, do you see where I'm going with yeah, that? No, I, yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah. And I just think, and, and my... My concern is is a, a lot of people don't realize the ethical boundaries you guys have. I right. mean, because that that isn't it. I mean, that's a boundary that you have to. I mean, you're almost man, well, obligated yeah. to say something. Yeah, because right? at that point, it is now he is in danger. Right. From this nut job. Right. You know, so it's kind of like I can't just sit there and be like, I don't know, what do you think? No. Right. No. Yeah, if, exactly. If, if your friend was going through this, what would you tell them? Well, then do that. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you know. So I just want to say that, but, and, and I think what Chris was talking about, I mean, I, you guys know I'm a, I'm a big proponent of therapy. I mean, yes. and, and to be for, you know, all the honesty and disclosure that didn't happen until I went through this. When I was growing up, I thought, I thought all therapists were witch doctors and, you know, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't get it. Right. And I mean, and I've had some bad experience with, with some of them and, and it, the thing is, is if you don't heal the core wounds, yes. you're screwed. Yes. You're going to keep doing the same thing. You're going to, I mean, like I, I see, I don't, I, you know, I, I mean, I know you see this too. You see the people who are like, why do I keep attracting, you know, these toxic people mm-hmm. or worse? It's like, you know, they have a relationship with an overt narcissist, male or female. They find the next person who's like, oh my God, this person is so attentive and they're covert and they're love bombing in a different way yep. and they don't do it. Yep. But it's still toxic. It's yes. still it's still because they not haven't good. healed this. So yeah. if you've got a mom or a dad or both, or or a grandparent or a caregiver or whatever that inflicted all of this damage, yeah. what we tend to do is we look outside of ourselves and we go, Oh, look, subconsciously, mm-hmm. there's somebody that reminds me just of yeah. mom or dad or grandparents or whatever. And so we go, Oh, if I can make that person love me, I prove this person wrong. Half of a doo-doo sandwich, half of a doo-doo sandwich, <laughs> total you know, doo-doo sandwich. You know, one thing I'll add on to that, um, again, that's perfect. I love that, is the other the other aspect of this is if you're not healed and you think you are, mm-hmm. and, and it is super easy to, you get out of your divorce, you get out of your relationship. Like even in my situation, you know, the ex stopped messing with me. Um, you know, we were kind of semi-stable. We weren't communicating. We weren't right. co-parenting. Right. But things were relatively stable. Right. And I put all that stuff, you right. know, under the chair. Yep. And in a nice little box, and I'm like, I'm feeling great. Everything is awesome. I met a, a really wonderful person who I actually still am dating. I still have regrets that I dated too soon mm-hmm. and that she ended mm-hmm. up having to go through some of the stuff that I'm going to mention here in a minute. Mm-hmm. But um, what happened is as soon as the ex found out, all hell broke loose. Oh, God, yes. You know, called, called not child protective services, but called child support services. Oh, and no, just, they'll do it, that. It just, yeah, yeah. I was lucky mine did. Well, the reason mine didn't is my job is very sensitive to certain things and certain things would be make me unemployed and she you know she then there's the no money. check yeah. yeah she wants the money but what what happened with me that i i now find fascinating but i didn't enjoy at the time is i had a person who respected my boundaries who didn't put me down mm-hmm. who who is a very loving unconditional like loving type person and it blew my mind right and, and I, when i say that I, I mean there was a period of time like wow this is so awesome but as everything ramped up, 
it got to the point where I couldn't understand how my entire life, maybe maybe there used to be a couch and I should be laying down, but there, my entire life, I all I ever wanted was someone to, I wanted my dad, my mom, my brother, you know, mm -hmm. my wife to, to treat me like this. And now this person is doing it and it, it, it actually sent me into a very dark depression. depression. Yes, that is not uncommon. So well, when, good. This is good to talk yeah, about. Yeah, this is them. this. You're 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 normal. It's okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when we have had abuse, original mm -hmm. wound, and the little kid inside of us, inner child work. I'm really big on the inner child work. So when the little kid inside of us is just going, but I just want to be loved. I just want mom. I just want dad. I just want my yeah. brother. I just want my sister. I just want this. I just want that. And we finally get it. Oh my goodness! This goes against all of the programming that we have had yeah. our entire life. Yeah. And so our child, our inner child is struggling with this cognitive dissonance is mm -hmm. what it is. So we've had all of these messages that say one thing, but now incoming information is saying something else. Yeah. And that causes us to go, what is real? Is this real? Is this not real? Oh my God, why is this happening now? And then we set about to sabotage the good stuff. Oh, and I... Uh because we don't feel I did we deserve it. We I it, don't feel we deserve it. It was, yeah. and the and the crazy part, it's funny you say it, well, funny, <laughs> funny ironic, uh, I was in the process of doing that. I was sabotaging the relationship, mm -hmm. and what would happen is, you know, I, I would get depressed, and I'm like, I don't want to go anywhere, I'm just going to stay home, mm -hmm. and I was just getting, you know, worse and worse and worse, Right. and I expected my girlfriend to lash out at me and say, what the hell is your problem? Why are you being a, you which know. Which is what the ex would do. Which is what the ex would which do. Which is what the family and, of origin would do. Exactly. Yeah. And she would, uh, you know, she'd like, hey, you know what? You should come see a movie with me. Yeah. But um, I'm not going to not go, you know. I'm not going to. I mean, so it was really, it was one of those things where she wasn't attacking me. She wasn't, you know, well, if you don't go, I'm just going to go by myself. You know, it wasn't yeah. none of that. And it actually made it worse. Mm -hmm. it, it, it did. I mean, it was really weird. And, and I had, I had an, we were talking about this before. I had an excellent therapist. She was a, I actually, the funny part is, is she was supposed to be our, our, our co-parenting therapist mm -hmm. and the ex refused, you know, so I uh, refused to do it. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I, I'm embracing the therapy thing. I've already met you. I've already, you know, whatever. We started the ball. Can you just, can you just work with me one-on-one? -on -one? She's like, yeah, sure. So I worked with her for a few years. The lady was phenomenal. Awesome. I mean, to the point where there were sometimes I would, I would force myself to go to therapy thinking, why am I going? This is a waste of time. What's going to happen? And I would go and I would have a session. I would walk out and my mind would be blown. And it wasn't, it, it was, it was weird. And, and she would do things like this. I, we would be talking about something and I would say something and she would go, Oh, like what you were talking about with your mom. And and I'm like, and I would pause and I'm like, I told you that eight months ago. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, I Remembered. mean, so, so guys, you owe it to yourself to find, and we'll get into this too. Mm -hmm. And actually, let's use this as a segue. Okay. So what I was going to say is you owe it to yourself to find yourself a good therapist. So the question is, I lucked out. Yes. It, it, it was just, a, you know, you know the universe, God, whoever. Um, <laughs> made it happen and I probably there's a lot of truth to that but how do you find how does somebody find a therapist that can really understand this and that they they can work with and that they can trust I mean what would you recommend okay. for someone so, doing that? word of mouth is the best so finding somebody who has been there done that gone to a therapist loved their therapist really got a lot out of their therapist yeah. word of mouth is always the best unfortunately in some of the smaller towns that's not gonna happen so um, what you want to do, because like some places, they just don't have good therapists. So you may need to go to a bigger city. 
or you may need to work with a life coach who has dealt with narcissistic abuse at that point until you can get to a therapist that you can work with. So what you're looking for is word of mouth. You're looking for somebody who is absolutely, their specialty is trauma because all of this abuse is trauma based. It's either, yeah. it's either the stuff that's been going on with the ex or it's the stuff that's happened with the family of origin. So you need somebody who understands trauma. You also need somebody who is not a humanist. Can I tell you how much I hate humanists? A humanist? What's a, a humanist? humanist. Okay. So in the schools, there's this form of thought where they're trying to get rid of all of the um, labels. Oh, dear God. Yeah. So the most important thing for survivors of abuse is being able to label things. Validate. So that you validate. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so there's a whole bunch of humanists out there that are like, oh, we don't want to hurt their little feelings. I'm like, I'm sorry. This person has thrown this person against the wall and broken bones, has beaten the child, yeah, has, you know, and you're telling me you're worried about their feelings. Oh, this is where I would start swearing. I'm not going to, but Thank you. just insert the four-lettered words here. So, um, do you see where I'm going with that? No, I, I don't want to dovetail on that because mm -hmm. I think, you know, the way I look at this is there's a phase you go through, right? You go through mm -hmm. the denial phase mm -hmm. and then whenever, in the early part of it, you're consuming all the information that's validating your experience. Right. Validating that it was abuse. Yep. I mean, obviously, if it's physical, it's easier to say, well, I got hit. It is um, easier. Well, the mental is, is harder. Well, because because here's what yeah, happens. Because you don't really believe it. You don't or believe you, it. You've rationalized you've it. You've rationalized it. And what we tend to do is we tend to go, oh, well, but my abuse is not a bad, as bad as Harold's oh, yeah, abuse. Yeah. Or Susan's abuse. Or so I really so what we do is we invalidate ourselves mm -hmm. because that's what we got growing up. Oh, good point. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes yeah. sense. So you gotta stop invalidating your experience. This is not a competition. Abuse is abuse. Yeah. If it was verbal, it was verbal. If it was physical, it was physical. And you are not comparing it to anybody well, else. And what, I'm glad you brought that up because mm -hmm. one thing I would, my thought on this is from doing this channel for a little over three and a half years, I've had an opportunity to compare stories. Mm -hmm. So in comparing stories, there are some people who are like, oh dear God, thank God. Thank God I'm not them. Right. Right. But at the same time, I think that initial pain or the initial wound or, or that initial well, pain, I think, is the right way to say it, is the same. Mm -hmm. I mean, I felt the same as some... I mean, I had my dark time, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, it was not a good not a good experience. It was very scary. Right. Um, and when you're in that mode, you, it, it is the same, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you can look at it and go, someone else can say... I mean, it can just have this horrific, you know, abuse and maybe sexual abuse as a kid and all this stuff where you're just like, holy crap, right. I didn't have that. right. But you're still going through the same emotional... The same feelings, yes. the same thoughts, the same denial, the same right. rationalization, the same excuse making. That's the scariest part, I think, for survivors of abuse is that initially we excuse. Yeah. We excuse the abuse. We mm -hmm. excuse, oh, well, they had a hard childhood. Yeah. They had yeah. a bad upbringing. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm sorry. I'm, I've or had a terrible they just had, childhood. They just had a bad day like at that. work. Yeah. And then it was like, it, it's, yeah. they're not always like this. It's just when they have a bad day at work, yeah, which then becomes or, like, yeah, every yeah. single day. So yeah, yeah, we got to stop denying. We got to stop excuse making. We got to stop rationalizing. We got to stop minimalizing our own pain. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to, uh, to ask you mm -hmm. on that is how I see people get stuck mm. in the validation phase. Yes. They, they, and I, I, I have a hard time even like going on the, the narcissistic abuse 
recovery Facebook forums mm-hmm. because it's just this, it's there there's people who just get like stuck in that mode. And right. I know validation is important, mm-hmm. but how would you encourage? Like, so if you so, have somebody's in that, I mean, how do they get from that into, okay, how do I take living. my life back? Yeah. Okay. So think of it this way. When the abuser is abusing, okay, they do something called intermittent positive rewards, just like a dog. So it's just like training a dog. So when you're training a dog to sit, you don't give them a treat every single time. It's like every third time or every sixth time. And eventually all you have to do is make the hand motion and the dog will sit. That is what abusers are doing to us. So I love you. I love you. I love you. I hate you. Love you. Hate, 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 love, 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 hate, you love, love, you hate. So it's all this love. I hate, love, I hate, love, I hate, love, I hate. Mm -hmm. And we start living for those moments. Few and far between. The breadcrumbs. We can get that in a a little bit. So So what it is, it is the exact same thing as chasing a high. So when a meth addict gets involved in meth, they they use the meth. It dumps all the endorphins, dopamine, serotonins, everything all at once. It takes three months for that to build back up again. But no, no, they don't wait three months. They keep hitting it and they keep hitting it and they keep hitting it, hoping to get that high again. And that is exactly, thank you, refrigerator. That is exactly (laughs) what we do when we are addicted to the intermittent positive rewards. We get addicted to the person. We're not addicted to the abuse, guys. I want to make that perfectly clear. Pisses me off when I hear therapists, don't get me started, insert swear words here, say that, oh, you're addicted to the abuse. No, we are addicted to the intermittent positive rewards. So I want to just just dovetail our caveat on that Mm -hmm. is if you have a therapist that says that, get rid of them. You need to find a new therapist. Get rid of them. Fire them. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I was going to mention, you were talking about areas that, uh, that don't really have resources locally mm-hmm. I wanted to ask your opinion on this because I uh, I don't know what you think about better help I know nothing about it so they I I've tested the service I would you know I mean they they reached out to me to try to uh, you know hey why don't you promote it and I I sometimes do when it when it's appropriate mm-hmm. but um I want to I'm like I am not a pro I'm not gonna do this unless I try it right and I so they're like hey here you go you can use the service you don't, you know, you can just use it as a client. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I did, and they matched me with somebody, and she was phenomenal. I didn't use her that much, but from the first conversation, mm-hmm. she under, she's like, oh, it sounds like you've, you've been dealing with somebody who's, you know, mm-hmm. narcissistic and, and knew the terms and was very... That's a good point. So you need somebody who understands the terms, gets the narcissistic abuse, gets what survivors go through, knows about trauma. Yeah, and if you can find a therapist like that, whether it's online or whether it's in person, do it. And, do and the it. cool part about that system mm-hmm. is you if you don't like the person, you just like... Fire them. Yeah, you basically say, give me another one, and they yeah. put you back in the queue. And you put information on what you're looking to do. I mean, right. So I had to fill out some forms on what I was doing. So, you know, they, I don't know, shopped it around or, or you know, different therapists had an opportunity to look at it. And, and this person said, okay, I, you know, I'll, I'll take this right. one. Um, and it depends on the state laws too, guys, because I want to make that very clear. So in Arizona, <coughs> I cannot counsel anybody outside of the state of Arizona, which is stupid. Yeah. Don't get me started. It's kind of annoying. But, but, and so that's the thing on that is it's there. The, whoever they match you with is licensed to provide that service in that area. Right. So um, I think it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's another thing to look at. It's not necessarily cheap. No. Um, no. But if you use it a lot, your copay, you know, like for me, I think my copay is like 20 or 25 bucks a visit. Mm-hmm. If you're going once a week, that starts adding up. Right. Uh, being able to do this video, um, email, text, 
interaction with a therapist, you have a lot more access, is what right. I would say. Exactly. Um, so that I think that was a, a an interesting concept on on that. Yeah, so. and I think it's if, if you have to use it, use it. it. For me, it's like I don't care who you go to as long as they are moving you forward. Yeah. That's all I care. I, if they're a life coach, if they're therapy, what's the name of it? Uh, better help better help or if it's going to a person in person and here's the other thing guys you have the right to fire your therapist you absolutely have a right to fire your therapist if they exactly. don't know what they're doing if you don't like them if they're if you're not more than half of the therapy is uh the 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 relationship mm -hmm. you have Building to the have, trust yeah you got to build the trust you got to trust your therapist you've got to be able to communicate and if that's not there fire them totally. i know i know the hard part is is that it's it's like the mental health community is over taxed mm -hmm. so like even whenever I was trying to find somebody getting someone to return your phone call mm -hmm. in your area for like an in-person thing is really tough um, fine it was just I mean like I was trying to find one for my daughter recently and nobody would even return you know half the time they wouldn't return the calls um, I had one that I called and uh, I didn't call her doctor and she got all mad. Oh, get like, narcissist. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Okay. You're not a good one. No. I really wish I could have used mine, but uh, she was just like, it's a conflict of interest. Well, yep. two part. Actually, it was two parts. It was conflict of interest. And then when I pushed, pushed it, it was kind of like, um, I've never treated your ex. I don't want anything to do with her. Right. So, yeah. you know, I'll work with you. That's right. fine. But right. I don't want to be in Involved. this other situation. Yeah, so, I totally understand. And I appreciated her honesty on that. But right. it was also... So here's the thing for me. It's like when somebody calls me, I return their phone call within 24 to 48 business hours. That's just what I do. And I am booked solid. Like I yeah. see 40 clients a week almost every single week. So, and, and, and this is where I get pissed is when therapists are like, I'm too busy. I don't have time. Oh, really? Are you seeing 40 clients a week, every single week, and returning phone calls within 24 hours? Well, guess what? I'm doing it. You can do it. Yeah. So that's a good sign of not to use a person. If they don't return your phone call, if they don't return your email, um, if they're snarky, if they're nasty, if they've got this I'm better than you attitude, yeah. screw that noise. Oh, and one of the things I recommend people to do, and I just want to get your take on this, is mm -hmm. when I say when you're, and I haven't talked about this in a while, but... Don't you don't walk in there and say, you know, my ex is a cluster B, you know, NPD, borderline comorbid. But don't do that. No, <laughs> Unless they have a diagnosis. If right. they have a diagnosis. If, they have a di if, if I was to come to you and say, hey, Chris, um, you know, here's the diagnosis. My yes. ex has this. Yes. Can you help me? Yes. That's different. That is it, totally different. So I have had clients that have gone through divorce cases where they've been forced to get everybody in the family is forced to get evaluated. I will ask for that evaluation. And yes, if there's all these diagnoses, then yes, absolutely that's what we're dealing with. Yeah. But you cannot diagnose somebody without having them in front of you. And you cannot diagnose somebody just based on observation, unfortunately, because, you know, it's it's a legal thing. So. Well, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, and then the, in my mind on this is if I came into you and I started spouting off all this stuff and you'd probably say, oh, really? What's, you know, where'd you get the diagnosis? You know, and it's like, oh, I watch a bunch of YouTube videos or whatever. It, it's going to pivot the focus, I think, on on From what you're what you want to work on onto right, you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, so focus on behaviors. Yeah. Right. So I mean, if I was coming in, in into you, I would say I wouldn't say you know it's narcissistic behavior and there's love bombing and there's triangulation and whatever. I mean, I would say effectively the same thing. Right. But I would say I can't communicate. It feels like I'm dealing with somebody who is you know an adolescent in right. an adult body. Right. I you know. Right. I, and and I think. To me, it is two parts, right? If the therapist understands it, they're going to say, you know, probably what you're dealing with. They'll right. be able to say, oh, okay, it sounds like this. And you're yep. like, okay, bing, ding, 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 ding. Yep. Um, 
but I just, and it's the same thing. I don't know where this is. We're not talking about attorney stuff, but it's the same thing in the law. When you're in family court, do not go in and start throwing this stuff around. Right. You know, unless your attorney says, you know what, I know this, I know the judge, and, and this helps the case. But you don't, I mean, you, you could mention it to your attorney. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you, they should be aware that this is a high conflict, toxic divorce. Yes. Um, some of them don't know how to deal with it. Find a good attorney. So you need an attorney that understands dealing with high conflict divorce, understands dealing with personality disorders. Um, you want one that's well connected in the legal community. Yes. Because I hate to say it, guys, a lot of cases are made or break, break in, broken, break in, broken, decided, lost, decided on the golf course. I call so, it judicial theater. They'll, yeah. You'll go to them and they're like, this is outrageous. And, you know, you're, we're going to get you this and we're going to get you that. They throw their hands up. You're like, oh, wow, this feels good. You give them the four to $5,000. And then, like Chris is saying, then, they're, then they go to, you know, hey, Bill, you know, you got my, my, my clients, whatever. What's going on? Oh, you know, hey, I need a BMW this time, so let me win. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's that <laughs> I quite I don't think that. it's that bad. Well, but in some cases, it, it can might be. be. Yeah, it, it might be. be. But yeah, no, they do all know each other, guys. They do. And they all socialize and they all get together and talk. And if the attorney is well-liked by the, ju the judicial part of mm -hmm. it, the judges, they're going to tend to side with the attorneys that they like. So right. like, for example, there was a case that I was working with where... The attorney was just phenomenal and everybody loved him and the opposing attorney was clearly disordered. <laughs> I mean, I can't diagnose him, but if I had a guess. He had strong traits. That strong would be a, great, a great case study, right? <laughs> and so started getting histrionic and yelling and screaming when he didn't get his way. And I was watching the other attorney and he was just as cool as a cucumber. Yes, no, let's do this logically. Let's get this done. And the judge was so frustrated with the other attorney, they went in favor of the... <laughs> yeah. So get a good attorney. It's worth it. So. And, and again, that, I, I would say word of mouth, make sure you get some yep. recommendations. Yep, absolutely. You know, and be prepared. This is not cheap. So it drives me crazy when I'm dealing with people. And, and it's not fast. It, it's not fast. The Okay, my dad was an attorney. So here's what I know about the law. The wheels of justice turn incredibly slowly, but they grind finely. In other words... Hmm. It takes time to plow through all of this evidence. If you've got an ex that's crazy and is sending email after email after email after email after email after email, and you're submitting all of this into evidence, the judge has to plow through all of this stuff. And a lot of times they won't. And a lot of times they won't. The bad ones won't. The good ones will. Hmm. And there are a few good ones, at least I, that I know of. And unfortunately, they start retiring because they get older and they retire. Well, but yeah. One thing I would add on that mm -hmm. is if you're... If your ex is doing that, or mm -hmm. your soon-to-be ex mm -hmm. is is giving you this treasure trove of evidence, of evidence, you but you have to make damn sure that you don't jump into the fray as well. So here's the deal: when you, boy, we're really jumping topics all over the place today. Sorry about that. When you are leaving your ex, when you have gone through therapy, you've realized you've done everything you could. You've they've used stuff against you. You're done. Now you're hiring an attorney. Okay, when you are leaving your ex, never have direct communication with them, ever. So like no phone calls. I want yep. everything in writing. So yep. email, text, those two. Then when you respond, it's only to things that need to be responded to. So this is a good point and I want to bring this up. We get trained by our abuser to defend ourselves. Yep. We get trained. I think that we have to. Because yeah. if we don't, then we're, we're saying that they're, that they're right yeah. because we didn't defend ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. But they get us into this mode of, well, but no, I did this because of da-da-da-da-da. And yeah. it's like, uh-uh. 
As soon as you're done, be, be done. And so if they like, let's say that you're in a custody battle. Let's say you've got kids. So they send one line in a 10-page email, which I've seen happen, <laughs> yeah. about the kids. And everything else is a condemnation of who you How are as a How bad you are as a human. Yes. What you are to do is you have to set your ego aside. And you have to find that one line that pertains to the children. And you respond only to that. Now, that's going to drive you crazy because the little kid inside of you is going to go, ah, ah, but, 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 but they're mean. Well, it, yeah, they are. It's funny. I have a, uh, I have a playlist that kind of helps people through this. And my very first video in it, I mm -hmm. call it hybrid no contact. Because <laughs> if you have children, you can't go no contact. Right. And everything you just said, that's the technique. It's yep. like, and that's what I've said. If, if it's a diatribe on how you are the worst human in the world, yep. but they asked when little Johnny's soccer match is, little Johnny's soccer match is at six at park, you know, at field five. And yep. that's it. And that's it. And if you do that's that, then you have a, a, a evidence of the 10-page diatribe and you being the mature person mm -hmm. and only hitting the, 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 the significant point mm -hmm. and ignoring all the other stuff because it's irrelevant. Yeah, exactly. And this is where it's important, guys. And listen to me now. Believe me later. If you are in a custody battle with one of these people, okay, yeah. and I use the term people loosely, demon is more like it. But, you know, if you're in a custody battle with one of these types of people, and you keep responding to yeah. all of their craziness, they will the use it judge you. is going to go against you. I just had a case where absolutely the opposing person was inappropriate to be around the children, and yet because the client continued to engage in all of this tit for tat, the judge went against them. And I'm like, mama mia. So don't respond, don't respond, don't respond, don't respond. Only respond to what you legally have to, and that's it. It's it's so it's so simple. Yeah, but, but it's so hard critical, to do. and it's hard to do. It is because it really is. we're so used to responding and tit for tat. Now, I, I would wanna, do that. I would. Yeah. I would. She would. I, there would be an email, or maybe I would. I don't know who would start it, but there would be a, a "You're a horrible human." Then mm -hmm. I would be like, "Why I'm not, and why you are," right? And, and this back and forth thing. Yeah, but that's what um, they want. And it, it was it was pointless. Yeah. I mean, it was it, all it did is stress me out. It's a Hoover. It, yeah. It's a Hoover. So yeah, a I point. want you guys to remember, not all Hoovers are the baby, baby, I've changed. Yeah. I promise you this time it'll be different. Yeah. Huge amounts of roses or yeah. whatever. It can be yep. right in the eye. <laughs> and that's exactly it. So sometimes the Hoovers are the nasty hit and run screw yous. That's what I call them. Yeah, good point. And um, they want you to respond angrily because that's narcissistic supply for them. If they can get you to, here's the thing. That was what I was going to bring They up. cannot stand being ignored. So love them, hate them, they don't care. Don't ignore them. Yeah. So the best thing you can do to hurt a narcissist, totally yeah. ignore them. And, and the caveat on that, or the, 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 which I absolutely agree with, mm -hmm. but you also need to be prepared. They're going to ramp it up. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. I, and, I, and I know I've had a few people who was like, well, I've gone no contact and now it's done this. Well, you kind of have to hunker down. It's yep. like, you know, it's like get in your foxhole, yep. put your helmet on, yep. wait for the barrage, you know, the mortar rounds to, I mean, you know why I'm using all these military references. Well, because but, it's war. Well, yeah, that's true. Good it's point. war. Think about it. Yeah. It's like, okay, so they're crazy, right? And they're usually, the ones who do that are usually the dark triads. So that is the narcissist with the Machiavellian, which is the control freak, with the psychopath. Yay, great combination. Yeah, that's fun. And then you add drugs on top of that or alcohol and that's a Molotov cocktail waiting to happen. Got so with that one. Yeah. And they usually do have some sort of addiction going on. So the ones who stalk, the ones who uh, harass, the ones who um, continue years later to send threatening emails or to mm -hmm. continue to do all of this stuff, 
they are crazy and they are dangerous. And my advice is, is if you get a threat of any kind, whether you were in a, a custody battle or not, you file a restraining order against them and you ask for emergency custody. Even if you're a guy. Even if you're a guy, especially if you're a guy. Well, I just say that because a lot of Ooh. people, I know a lot of guys are programmed to, well, it's not that bad. You know, well, she just Stop slapped minimalizing. me. Stop well, minimalizing. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Stop minimalizing. Guys, listen to me now. Believe me later. If you are a male and you are being abused in any way, shape, or form, here's the thing to ask yourself. If this person were doing this to a woman, what would the woman do? Yeah. Hello? You would file a restraining order. You would protect yourself. You would... Do you see where I'm going with that? And the crazy ones will... Uh, <laughs> I've had this happen. Create false personas on Facebook, on YouTube, on whatever, and yeah. try to stalk and try to, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. friend you and friend your friends and friend your family. And so when you get divorced, male or female, listen to me now, believe me later, you let everybody know, okay, I'm divorcing this person. Do not accept any new friend requests from anybody unless you know them personally, because they will do that. They will try yeah. to get to the family and the friends that way and do a smear campaign. Oh, and on that, just to throw this out, uh, I mean, this is going to be obvious, but then if they get information about what's going on with you they will, and you have kids, they will absolutely use that to triangulate with the kids. Oh, yeah. I mean, I saw that in my situation where it was like, how did it... How did they know? How did the what? How did that even come up? You know, it wasn't necessarily stuff with the kids, but there was stuff that happened without them that I, like an idiot, posted or told certain people, and well, it just stop was... being mean to you. You didn't know. Yeah. You didn't know. This is the thing, guys. We're so used to putting ourselves down. We don't know. Yeah, if if yeah. we popped out of the womb understanding what a narcissist was or what an abuser was, trust me, we would never date them. So you yeah. can't know what you don't know until you know it. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I, I had a, a one. I remember having a conversation with my therapist, in the, and I, I didn't know about narcissism at the time, and or maybe I, I it was right around that time. And I remember saying, you know, at the time I had a, I was a senior manager where I was working. I had a lot of people working for me, so I knew how to operate in that environment. And I'm like, how is it that I can, you know, my professional life is okay, but this personal thing is a complete mess. And mm -hmm. and you know, now I realize that it's there's. It's that's not ab, um, unnormal in right. these situations. Right, it, we and, compartmentalize. Yeah. So we can have, it's it's the same thing as self-esteem. We can have great self-esteem and everything's fine in our work situation, but we can have terrible self-esteem in our romantic situation. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it yeah. really is what we do is we start, especially because we've been raised to compartmentalize. You know, sometimes oh, yeah. dad's nice, sometimes dad's not. Sometimes mom's nice, sometimes yeah. mom's not. So we start compartmentalizing and what's happening is, is we start dissociating from the abuse and we start excusing it. So you guys got to be really careful of, of compartmentalizing and dissociating. So, But it's a long process and it takes it time. It, it doesn't does. happen overnight. Yeah. You're not going to go. No. Even if you found the best therapist in the world. Like Chris. Thank you. And uh, um, you're not going to go to one or two sessions and walk out cured. No, because you have to plow through. It's like cleaning out a horse stall. I don't know if you guys own horses or not. I used to when I was a kid. So when you clean out a horse stall and it hasn't been cleaned in years, you got to grab a shovel and you got to go through that first layer of crap, right? Until you get to the nice clean floor, the, right. either the dirt or the wood, whatever. And then you got to get a hose and then you got to clean it. It's a process. So you're plowing through years and years and years of crap to get down to the base. And then once you get down to the base, then you can really clean that out and make yeah. sure that that's good. And then, and only then, can you consider dating at that point. People dive into dating too soon because they don't like being alone. Yep. They don't like the voice inside their head, their inner critic. <laughs> and when people tell me, I can't stand being alone. Well, what are you telling yourself? You know, I've, I've actually made videos on this and, mm -hmm. and, and, 
everything you're saying, I completely relate with. And I, I went through, and I mean, in the beginning part of it, I felt like, oh my God, I'm never going to find anyone. I'm going to be alone. No one will ever love me. That's, It'll be terrible. That is and so then, common. And what was amazing is, and I still, I still hadn't completely healed. So this happened before I got the secondary attack. But I, I started to, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. I, I started to, to to calm down and actually feel good with myself. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't back in, back in the day going out to eat by myself and sitting in a restaurant by myself, I would get anxiety. Yes. I, it would freak me out. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll sometimes now I'll be I'll like, I'm going to go to lunch. And I was like, do I want to talk to some, you know, do I want to invite someone with me? No. <laughs> and I'll just go and I'll, maybe I'll read news or read an article on my phone. Um, you know, since who has newspapers anymore. Right. And, 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 and the thing is guys, if you do this and you get that part where you're okay with yourself, it changes everything. It does. Because now you can have you can have real boundaries. Because when you're not and you meet with somebody and you're kind of in that honeymoon stage and then you start seeing some some red flags, you're like, well, I don't want to be alone. You know, you got that little thing you're saying, oh my God, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be, so it's not that bad. It's not that bad. It'll be okay. And But what you want is you want to have in your back of your mind where it's like, you know what? I like myself. Mm -hmm. I like being by myself. Mm -hmm. um, not that I'm being antisocial and it's like, I hate people. But I mean, right. it's just like I can sit here and have a nice cup of coffee, open the window, you know, look out at the, you know, the nature and be completely at peace. When you're in that mode, you don't put up with BS anymore. Right. Because you can have good boundaries. Exactly. And when, and when somebody starts doing it, you're like, um, and then you can have the conversation. You could turn around and say, hey, we need to talk about this because this is a problem. This is a deal breaker. And you mean it. Right. Because I know in my, I was married, I don't know if we talked about this before, but I was married 21 years when everything fell apart. Right. Every time I would get to the point that there was something that I felt I needed to talk about, in the back of my mind, I'm like, is it worth risking the marriage? Oh. No. And I would, I, I would let oh. it go. I would, I would like, okay. And then in a couple of days later, I would disassociate and I would, it would be like, it didn't happen. I'd get some right. breadcrumbs. Right. And uh, things would be, uh, be different. Right. I want to pivot to one one last topic because I know we're starting to run a little long, um, which always happens. <laughs> I know. Well, have, this might have, maybe maybe I'll have to break this up into multiple videos. I also have to make sure that the camera doesn't stop recording. Right. Um, for people who have children mm -hmm. with this, uh, and I know I struggled with this in the beginning, and, and it's really tough because as soon as you know, you want well, one as soon as you find out, you want to tell everybody. Right. Don't do that. Don't do that. Get, talk to your life coach. Your uh oh. We're going to pause because something just... Oh, no. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> okay, so the last thing I wanted to chat with you about is when... For the people who have kids mm -hmm. in these situations, it's very complex. Yes. And one of the... So I guess... I'm, I know whenever I started finding out about this, I wanted to tell everyone. Right. Don't. And, yeah. <laughs> Don't do it. And especially with your, your kids. Right. and. So what do you recommend for people who have kids and you, you're at the point to where you strongly suspect that your ex has a personality disorder, undiagnosed? Right. What do you do? So you be honest. When the kids point out dad or moms, because remember, women can be abusers too, mm -hmm. uh, bizarre behavior, you validate what the kids are seeing, okay? But you cannot come out and bad mouth the other parent. Why? Because the kids are 50% them. And kids are very egocentric. And I don't mean that like, oh, I'm a narcissist. I mean egocentric as in they, they internalize. Because, you know, they think everything is their fault. They do. So, like, if mom and dad break up, you have to make it very clear to them 
we are breaking up because we are adults and we are not getting along and we are doing this so that we can both be happy and you can be happy and safe, okay? Right. So you never ever badmouth the ex, no matter how crazy they get and they do and they are and they will. Yeah. So how do you, but how do you pivot that to where, because you don't want to invalidate what they're feeling, right? right? So if little Johnny comes up to you and says, you know, mommy's mean to me. I mean, obviously you're not going to say, well, little Johnny, that's because she's a batshit, <laughs> you know, beep, uh, narcissistic, comorbid, blah, you know, no, no, dark, no. you know. You so. can say, okay, tell me more. What, how, how are they mean to you? What is happening? And then you get the whole story and then you document the living crap out of it. Something's beeping. It's that one. That one? That's okay. fine though. We're okay. okay. Um, you document everything. Like, so like, let's say Johnny comes home and says, mommy's mean to me. Right. Oh, hun. So this is after like a 5225. So 5225 is the general 5050 yeah, custody. Horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> and the concern is, of course, is that your child is spending 50% of the time with somebody who we know to be disordered. Right? Well, and I would even say not having a full week to really kind of like have a good transition and yep. build into it, you're yep. constantly resetting. Always. I you're... call that the Groundhog Day effect. Oh, it is. It it's is like you're co-parenting. You're not, you're not co-parenting. You're parallel parenting. Yeah. And or so, counter-parenting. Or counter-parenting. And so when the kids come home, they're going to be acting out. They're going to be yelling at you. They're going to be yeah. taking it out on you. And the reason why is because you're the same parent. Yeah. So a lot of parents get upset because they're like, why are they being so horrible to, to me? me? Because you're the safe parent. You're the one that the kids know is always going to be there. But you've got to draw boundaries with that. Yeah. You've got to be like, Johnny, I love you. And I am not going to put up with disrespect. Right. Period. You're more than welcome to air whatever you're thinking or feeling, but I am not going to put up with disrespect. And you yeah. stick to that. So what happens is, is they go over to the other parent. They get screamed at, yelled at, abused, mm -hmm. whatever. They come home. They need to detox. And so they go onto the safe parent. But then the safe parent feels guilty and does the whole, oh, I'm just going to let him do that. Uh-uh. Wrong. <clears throat> incorrect response. Well, I have a twist to that. Okay. Because I tried both mm -hmm. with mine. Mm -hmm. uh, I tried the, this is the way it's going to be you know, knock it off now, pun it, you know, go right into punishment. What I, what mm -hmm. I found in my situation is it destroyed the entire time. I, if it was the two days, it was horrible. Mm -hmm. If it was my five day period, maybe by the weekend, it would be, it okay. Would be okay. Like the right. last day. Right. 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 What I started to do is when they would come over on the groundhog day, mm -hmm. I would take a deep breath right. and I would let them transition right. and kind of give them a pass. Right. For the day. For the day only. And then what I would yeah. do is the next, when things calm down, because typically if I, when I did that, mm -hmm. by the, I mean, my transition time was Wednesdays. So Wednesday and Thursdays is my every, every two days. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, every other weekend. Mm -hmm. Normally, if I did it that way, by Thursday, everything was fine. They were okay. And then I would say, hey, buddy, you know, or honey, depending on which one I was talking to. And I'm like, hey, you know, what happened the other day? That, uh, you know, what was up with that? Yeah, right. You know, so, it, and I think a lot of times I think it's, it's, so it's, it's kind of like, it, it's still the same thing you're saying. It's just a little, it's a little caveat. It's a little going into it. So in other words, what you're saying is, is when the second they come home, don't draw the line. And I agree. Um, but, and you don't want them to continue with the disrespectful yes. behavior. Yes. And the other thing I would say on this is, um, it's a trap. Yes. Right. I mean, you're not, if you're dealing with a, toxic narcissistic ex-spouse yeah. they so want you to do your normal behavior which my normal behavior would have been like you know we're not having you know, we're not having this 
The yeah. problem is, is then I fall into the narrative that she was trying to create, which is effectively I'm alienating my the kids myself by my own actions. Right. And so the opposing the the the, the, spec, the spouse the ex, whether male or female, is going to participate in child alienation. Yeah. Okay. This happens to men. This happens to women. It, whoever the crazy is, they do it, and they use kids as a pawn. Oh, and absolutely. The kids are so confused in this whole thing because they're terrified of the abuser. They're safe with the other one, but they don't want to piss off this one, but they don't want to alienate this one, but they have to please that one. So what's going to happen is, is that they're going to try to side with the abuser. Why? It's crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> it's because the abuser will punish them if they don't. And just like us, think about it. When we were raised yeah. by original wound people over here, we sided with the abuser. We made excuses for the abuser. Yep. They're going to be doing the same thing. So when you get your divorce decree or your custody issue, you've got to make sure to put in there that the kids can get counseling, period. And you want to try to get medical, the final say in medical, because what yeah. the abuser will do is try to get the final say in medical, and they'll try to dictate who the kids can see. Mm -hmm. So it, yeah. it, you're going to have to agree upon it, but you definitely want to get a therapist that is DBT, that understands personality disorders, that gets narcissistic abuse, that gets high conflict divorces, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And those kids have got to go to therapy. And make sure it's written in your order. Yes. Because if it is not, I mean, if it is, they are still going to create havoc with yes. it. Yes. But at least it's in the order. Yeah. If it's not in the order, they will say, I, they will say, I don't want to put my kids through it. They've been through enough. They don't need therapy. You need therapy. Right. That I don't believe in therapy. Right. Therapists are a bunch of hokum, blah, 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 blah. And the reason they don't want the kids to have therapy is because they don't want somebody documenting yep. what they're doing to the kids. Because yep. eventually, God willing, you'll be able to save up enough money to go back to court and get full custody. Now, in the yeah. state of Arizona, when the kids reach about 15, 16, the judges will take into consideration what the kids are feeling. So in some cases, the kids are able to go, nope, don't want to go over to moms, don't want to go over to dads, we're done. And the judge will go, okay. The problem is, is when you've got multiple children that are older and younger, the judge will say, okay, Johnny, you're 16, you don't have to go. Then Johnny feels guilty because... Henry has to at age 11. I, so. I have a, a good example of that. I have my kids are 20, 18, and 14. Mm -hmm. My 20 year old still transitions. Mm -hmm. uh, my, my 18 year old, she's in college right now. And his reasoning was is he was scared to death that it would, it would mess up the, the other two. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's kind of sad to watch. Um, I mean, he is just getting brutalized. Mm -hmm. you know, he is now the scapegoat and right. the target of everything. Right. So, and I know we kind of, I, I'm assuming the answer would be the same. So if you, if you, m what I've tell people too is don't be the one to have the conversation with what the other parent is. Right. Right. No. Because inevitably what will happen is, is the narcissist, especially if they're covert, they'll start throwing some breadcrumbs they'll the kids will gobble up that attention like we were talking about in the mm -hmm. earlier in the other video right and then they're going to turn around and blame you that you were lying or you were exaggerating or blowing things out of proportion so they try to be the disneyland dad or mom they yeah. they get well we don't have any rules over at mom's house how come we have rules here or we don't you know they she takes us or he takes us to magic mountain all the time or disneyland or you know we don't have to do homework when we're over there why do we have to do it here so they undermine. They my, undermine. They my, undermine. My big one was uh, was showers or you know taking baths. I, 
Why do I have to take a bath every day? I don't have to do it at mommy's. She doesn't make me do it. That is the I, weirdest thing. I, I actually, this is kind of funny. So for, there was a period, of, it was really weird, right? Cause you know, mine was a stay at home mom. Right. Um, I mean, this was like hers to win, right? I mean, yeah. all she had to do was just continue to, to do the things that she normally would do. And I'm at a disadvantage. Well, because whatever she decided, you know, narcissists are very weird. They are so weird. <laughs> and she didn't do that. but. I remember, uh, so she wasn't taking the kids to pediatrician, right? So I was doing that. And I remember at one point, I'm, I'm, I'm in there with the pediatrician, and some longtime viewers will probably heard this story before on my channel. But uh, I, I'm in there with my girls, you know, dad and the girls doing the, the physical, the, the doctor does their thing. And, uh, you know, when I come back in after they do the little check, um, I'm like, hey, uh, doc, how often should the kids take showers? And I felt like a complete idiot because it's like, I mean, there was part of it that I'm thinking, oh my God, this makes me look like completely inept. But what I was looking for was a doctor to go, um, every day? Like, and, yeah, I, and, I actually, like and, I, and I actually did like, every day, every day, like every day, right? And that helped because as it progressed on and the kids, the girls would like, I don't have to take a shit, you know, whatever. I'm like, you know, I don't have to do that at mommy's like you were talking about. I'm like, look, I don't know what the deal is at your mom's house. You were there when the doctor said you're supposed to do it every day. I actually made them check, uh, wash their hair every day too. Good for you. Which people actually were like, you make your, and my daughter at the time had really long hair, like down to her, to her, what my youngest one did. Another funny story. So that was a nightmare, right? So right. I didn't, I don't have long hair. I've always right. had short hair, so I've never had to deal with that. Right. So, you know, I'm having to deal with my, my, you know, eight or nine year old or however old she was at the time. I can't remember, you know, trying to calm out the tangles and it just was a disaster. Right. And luckily I had female friends. I'm like, I'm going to like to, you know, so they're like, oh, you need to use this. You, you know, gave me all the stuff that you right. need to do. And it got right. better. As soon as it got better and it wasn't an issue anymore, all the hair got cut off. Oh, that does not surprise me. And... I wasn't told about it. I went in to, um, cause my transitions are at school or daycare. Mm -hmm. I went in to go get my kid, my daughter. And I'm like, you know, right. hi dad. I'm like, what, you what know, what happened to your yeah. hair? Yeah, it was gone. So I mean, this is. is what they do. So the abusers, and this is so weird because you're like the 10th person who's told me that in the last year. So they don't shower their kids. They don't bathe their kids. I'm not sure what the pathology is behind that, and I'm not sure what their little weird mind is thinking, but they don't bathe their children. And I think it's so that, because they don't want to be bothered, because they're selfish, and it takes time to get a kid in a bathtub and wash the hair and make sure they're, you know, cleaning under the wings and all that sort of good stuff. Yeah. But I think the other thing of it is, too, is, is that it's a punishment, because being dirty, that's a self-esteem thing. So that, that works on your self-esteem. It's amazing you say that, because I... My son, when he started high school after all this, I mean, he was getting really raggedy with his hair. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dude, you need to, you know, buddy, you need to, you need to, um, you know, you need to uh, cut your hair. And this is when I was still trying to co-parent with the ex. Right. So, you know, I would send emails to her and stuff. And what came back is, you know, he's just trying to express himself. Why do you, I mean, turned around and made it a bit negative on me that right. I was against, against my son. Right. And I'm like looking at him going, dude, you look like a homeless vagrant. You right. know, I mean what the hell and it took him a long time to connect the dots on that one mm -hmm. i hadn't thought about that, that it's it self-esteem it's a way to make the kids less than because in healthy normal families you shower you know every day you know and you take care of your hygiene and you brush your teeth 
they don't teach their children to brush their teeth. When yeah. I see children in a in an abusive co-parenting situation, the sane parent is the one that's trying to get them to brush their teeth and take care of the oral hygiene. Yeah. The other parent is like, no, no, you don't need to do that, and then feeds them a bunch of sugar before bed. Or it could even be uh, not because so, mine is more covert. Yeah. She'll be go brush your teeth and then just not follow not check through. it. I mean, yeah. and and it was funny. Because I would see her, and she's got you know sparkling white teeth. I'm like, Jesus, how'd you do that? You know? uh -huh. And you look at the kids, and they're all yellow. Yeah. And it's and I'm thinking to myself, I mean, and, and you'll go through this in your when you're trying to rack your brain around it. Mm -hmm. You're like, how in the hell can a person do that to their own kid? Because they're in competition. Yeah. They're oh, jealous. Yeah. They're jealous. It's a competition. If they, especially if they have a daughter, if it's a female narcissist mm -hmm. and they have a daughter, they cannot. The daughter cannot be prettier. They cannot have prettier hair. They cannot have sparkling teeth. They can't have good hygiene. They can't. It's a competition. It is. It is the sickest damn thing I've ever seen. And they do use the. <laughs> I just had one recently where, the mom took the kids in and was telling the pediatrician, you know, well, my ex is not bathing them. How often should they be bathed? Same thing. Okay. And the ex was there with them because he insists on going okay. to every single. Oh, that must appointment. have been fun. And so the pediatrician looked at him and said, every day, and then they get home, and then the guy gaslights her and says, no, he never said that. I've, oh my God, yeah, yeah, I've seen that too. Yeah. I, that's funny. Yeah. I mean, it's not funny. But it's terrible. I've had that with, um, with my kids where, yeah. it, and it's, where this, I can't remember what the specific incident was, but it was something along those lines where it was, it was exactly that. It was like, no, that's not what was said. I mean. Yeah. So they gaslight and they want in a way they want the kids to be raggedy and dirty yeah. and everything because they're trying to punish the other parent. It is. It's a competition. It's a self-esteem thing because honestly, when think about it, when we have parents that love us, mm -hmm. right? They love us. They're like, let's go take a bath. Let's get clean. Oh, what pretty hair you have. Oh, did it? Look at your teeth. Look at that. Oh, take good care of your teeth and your teeth will take good care of you. That's the one thing I remember. Yeah. So, you know, it's like. You, it, you, that's instilling self-esteem. So what they're doing by going, yeah, whatever, I don't care. They're instilling bad self-esteem. And not following up. Because you can say, up. and you can be the good parent, but like, well, I tell, because I, my, my son has cerebral palsy mm -hmm. and uh, early on, and asthma and, you know, all the other fun stuff that happens with that. Uh, so there were some different things he had, like treatments and stuff where, you know, one of the side effects they were told us is that the teeth would be ruined, right? Right. And I remember at one point, you know, I mean, it's, I'm seeing his teeth is yellow and I'm going to work every day. And I'm like, hey, you know, I'm just assuming everything's being done. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, my poor kid's going to, his teeth are, you know, messed up. Well, he went to visit grandma for a week and uh, came back. All the kids came back and their teeth were white. And I'm like, what the? I mean, it was one of those things. And, and I was still, I mean, I was still in the marriage, right? right. So I, I still was in complete denial on what reality was right but it really messed with my head i'm like what right you know but what mine would do is she would say go brush your teeth or go take a shower or whatever they wouldn't and yeah i mean and and here guys let me just say this it like on the shower thing stick with it and provide structure for your kid because yes. they will they will beat you and I, they will beat you up on it and i, and I want to get your your take on this they will beat you up on it they mm -hmm. will really push mm -hmm. and what you'll notice or what i noticed is once they realized that I was serious mm -hmm. and that there was a real boundary and I was going to hold them accountable, it's almost like they're like, oh, wow, daddy really loves me. And then they calm down. Yes. And it was like, and, and it infuriates you because you're like, yeah. oh. Right, you know? exactly. And, and unfortunately, that is, 
that's what you're gonna have to do because kids actually do want boundaries. They really do because boundaries say that you care. Because if you don't yeah. care, there are no boundaries, right. right? It's like fine, whatever. I don't care. Blah blah. That's a narcissist. So the parent who's sane has got to draw boundaries and got to stick to them. And yes, the kids are gonna push oh back. Oh my god. Well, I don't want rules. I don't want to have to go to bed at ten o'clock. I don't want it. Whatever. Are you? You, know? you grounded me, and it's been ten minutes. Can't you undo it? <laughs> Why can't you undo it? Yeah. Because the other one always gives in. So remember, yeah, the yeah. ego is involved here. So the kid's ego is the one that wants its way, okay? Right. You need to be the mature one and be like, nope, this is the boundary. I'm going to stick to it. You can hate me all you like. You'll thank me when you're 26. You know? The, the one so. thing I, I tell people, and I'd like to get your, your thought on this as mm -hmm. well, is when you're in a situation like this, mm -hmm. you have to be the good and the bad cop. Yeah. So when you ground, whenever you're holding a boundary, for the love of God. Hold the boundary. Hold the boundary. But give you give something in there that you can still do with your kid. Yes. Because you can't because if you go through and it's always authoritative. And it's punishment. If it's like you're always being punished at dad's in my situation and it's okay, so it's crazy at mom's, but right. I don't at least I'm not always getting yelled at. Right. It you know, if you ground them off at Xbox, make sure that you can go watch, you know, you can go not watch, but you can go uh, for a walk or if they like to cook, they can hook cook. Make sure you're still spending time with them. Quality and, time. And yeah. Yeah. I, that that's the key. If you don't do that, you're and trouble. I started into that trouble, I yeah. started down in that tra in that trap right. where it's like, okay, you're grounded. Go to your room. You know, you you know, you can breathe minor oxygen, and that's it. <laughs> right. And it just it just you feed into the narrative that the ex is trying to set up that you're the bad guy. That you're the bad guy. Yeah. And it just you un you end up undermining undermining yourself. Right. So. Exactly. So you always want to. I mean, yes, you can ground them. Yes. And you need to. And I mean, you need, you need to, to have boundaries. Yeah, you you need to be a parent. You need to have personal accountability. That's right. the thing, because narcissists don't have personal accountability. So you're teaching them personal accountability, and you're also, this is an and world guy, guys. We're, we're teaching them, you know, look, you did this wrong. I'm, I'm grounding you for this, and you and I still have a relationship. Let's go get some hot chocolate somewhere and talk. Yeah. Let's go spend some quality time. Let's play a board game. Let's, you know... Let's spend time together. So yeah, that's what you got to do. It's it's so I feel my heart goes out to every single parent in the middle of a custody battle with one of these disordered people because it's heartbreaking to watch. It's heartbreaking to go through. You're watching your kids be used as pawns. Yep. You're second guessing yourself all mm -hmm. the time. Yeah. And it's hard, but stick with it, guys, because eventually they'll turn 18 and they can make up <laughs> their own minds. You know, and you won't be held hostage to the ex. And the funny thing of it is, yeah. is when the kids start start deciding no i don't want to go with the ex or or you know conversely this is what i've seen also is where the kid finally gets so tired of the back and forth that they go with the ex mm -hmm. much to the heartbreak of the sane parent oh yeah and then okay so now there's no more trauma there the ex will start trying to cause trauma anyway even though the kid is gone with them oh yeah yeah they'll, they'll use it to rub it in their face uh -huh. you know yeah. And it'll be stuff like, oh, well, you need to pay for this. Or little Johnny's doing this. You can't go. You can't be a part of it. But, you know, he needs yep. football outfit yep. or something. Yep, yep, yep. It's... So be prepared. I mean, they, they cannot live without the drama. Yeah. It's, it's the drama triangle is what it is. Somebody has to be a hero. Somebody has to be a villain. And somebody has to be the victim. So. And what I've done on my situation, um, because it's been relatively stable, I... I kind of embrace the angry, the, the angry, bitter ex that can't get over it. In my mind, if she thinks that she's won, and there was a lot, there was a period of time where the idea of, of letting her think she won anything was like, oh, hell no. Oh, no, let them think that. Oh, 
Let it, them think that. Oh, it's it's been a life changing experience. Yes, I mean, so, it's now, all about the win for them. Yeah, because so, they yeah. think that they're winning. Mm -hmm. uh, she, like in my situation, she thinks she's winning. She thinks that, uh, you know, that I'm just this angry, bitter person. Hey, you know what? I mean, you guys. I mean, anyone who watches my channel know that's not the case. And it's just it, it's that's where you get stability. Now, if I every time that I was trying to rub it in her face that I was happy, nope. oh dear God, don't do it. It would either go come back on the kids or directly at me yep. or through you know. Some other, <laughs> exactly. Know. Yeah, you want it. the thing of it is, is when you're dealing with a disordered ex and there's kids involved, you want to keep the information at an absolute minimum, and yeah. you must let the children know. And this is important: your business is not to be shared with mommy. That's a hard one. Well, and I got that got used against me too because mm -hmm. I mean they wouldn't tell me the kids wouldn't tell me anything that was going on at mommy's. But uh, it would get spun around. Well, is your dad telling you not to say anything? Right. So I finally, actually, what I finally did, on, well, this is what I did. I started close holding information. So yeah. I was not like, hey, you know, next month we're going to go on this trip or we're going to go to this place because yeah, no, you can't. somehow it would either be. Uh, They'd screw it up. They would they screw would, it up. They would, they would have either a do, trip themselves. They would either do the trip yeah. themselves or if we were going to the beach. It would be, oh, I hate the sun, or I don't like the sand, I'm allergic to the air, you know, whatever. I mean, it was just... <laughs> right. And, and fully expect, just to throw it out there, I fully expect that if you go and you have a good time, and you come back, and the kids are all happy, and then they go to the other ex, expect that when they come back, their recollection of the experience is going to be diminished. Correct. It's, it's really... It's, it's weird. It's, yeah. it's tough. Be the stable person. Be this, you know, be the, be the rock that the kids can count on. Realize that they're going to hit you with a hammer and try to chip you every once in a while and just try to stay the course. I mean, it's, yep. it's, it is really tough. I don't think unless you've been through it, you don't understand how, how hard this and draining, heart, draining, heart wrenching. Yes. I just made a video I published, um, this morning that I was writing it, answering somebody on a comment and I hit a button and deleted the whole comment. So I figured, forget it. I'll just record it. But, uh, one of the things that, um, that really, I don't think how to say this, but it, I said at the end of the video that I was talking about that. I'm like, there's even times now, I mean, I've had a lot of, I mean, I'm eight years into this, a little over eight years. Uh, my youngest, I was having some high hopes with, but she's getting some breadcrumbs from mom. So, you know, the attitude's changing. I mean, there's a lot of weirdness that's coming up and it's like, it, I do have my time where I get to the point where I'm like, Four more years. Just get over this. Do the best I can to try to make sure that she doesn't screw her life up, my daughter. And it's just trying to get through it. And it yep. sucks whenever it's, I did this with my first one, the second one, and now the third one. It's like lather, rinse, and repeat. Right. Now, I'm a lot more, I'm a lot better at it now. Right. You've had I have a lot of experience. <laughs> um, Unfortunately, so, yeah. It, yeah, it's unfortunate, but the good part is I understand the game. Right. You know, um, and the really crazy part on this, like with my daughter, just a, a month or so ago, like maybe two months ago, she was really feeling, I mean, her, her mom was just poking her in the eye. I mean, it was really, and guys, just to throw this out here, if you haven't got to this point yet, once your kids start to see the mass drop, it, you're, you might think that you're going to be like, yes, finally. It's heart-wrenching to watch your child have that look in their face, basically, you know, within their eyes saying, why doesn't mommy or why doesn't daddy love me? Oh, God, yes. It, it's horrible. It is horrible. It is because every single kid, we just want the approval and the love of our parent. And when we realize, I realized mine when I was about 17 because that's when I mm. left the house. But when I realized that my dad absolutely did not have my best interest at heart, and neither did my mom, God love yeah. her, 
it was a grieving process. Yeah. It was heartbreaking for my older sister, Terry, to watch because she was my second mom. And she's the one that helped me through it. So, oh, yeah, it's really, it's good if you've got siblings that can, you know, kind of be like, hey, you're right. Mom and dad are crazy. And, you know, you're not wrong. And no, they don't have your back. But it's a heartbreaking process for the other parent that's sane to watch you go through when you realize that, no, this other parent is not going to be dad of the year, mom of the year, you know, have your back, et cetera, but, et cetera. Yeah. But things can change on a dime. Oh, yeah. I, I, what I will say is, I mean, during that period of time, my I was, I was seeing that with my daughter. She was even making comments, like, you know, being really stressed about going over to see the other parent. And I, and I wasn't like, yeah, your mom's a you know scumbag. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I'm, you know, everything we talked about, that's kind of the way I, I approached it. And, um, you know, she was even making, my daughter was even making comments kind of like, you know, I'd rather be here. As soon, I don't know what happened. Something happened. Mm -hmm. Mom has now started throwing her breadcrumbs. Yep. And I'm persona non grata. That's what they do. But and that's what they do. And they go back and forth. The kids will go back and, and forth. And if you're not, if you don't understand the, I mean, I guess the, the, effectively the psychology of it, it's really hurtful because you're like, you take it personally, mm -hmm. but it's, it's not. It's not. And one of the things I always tell people is how are the kids with you? You know, if your kid is lashing out or whatever, but whenever you have, if you're in the 225 thing, you know, you're in the third or fourth day and you and your kid are, you know, they come up and snuggle up with you on the couch and say, I love you, daddy, or I love you, mommy. Um, you know, whatever the thing is, you're getting real feedback that there's a relationship there. You're okay. Yep. You're doing okay. You're doing okay. I think where it gets sticky is like in the situation I'm thinking of is that, there was a stepmom involved that was also disordered. And so it was like Which, two against one, yeah. you know, and they were working on the kid the whole time. And, yeah. you know, oh, and that's, yeah. oh, I've seen that. Yeah, I have too. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Cause then, like I said, the kid goes with the abuser and then the other parent is left going, what did I do wrong? And it's like, I, you did nothing wrong. I have a coworker that I work with female who that, that happened to her. Mm -hmm. She, they were able to orchestrate it enough to where she lost custody yep. of the kids. Yep. The, the new mom adopt, adopted the kids yep. and they, now you would think, you would think I, you know, that you would think that the narcissistic family won. It's like, I've won, you know, F you and move on with my life. They brutalized her all the time up until the kids were adults. Yep. You know, Oh, even though you're not legally responsible, you know, your kids need braces, aren't you? You know, your kids when, it, and it was just, it was a jab. It was like a reminder of what, what they did mm -hmm. and to try to make you feel guilty mm -hmm. and just to repunish you. And to make you look like the bad guy. Oh yeah. Oh, you're not going to give them braces? Well, aren't you a horrible parent? Now, I'll, and, and I'll throw this out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That the other thing, and you're, you're going to, as soon as I say this, you're going to go, oh yeah. Kids, you know, 18, well, they were already off the dole, so to speak, because the, she lost parental, you know, her parental rights were basically terminated. Kid goes to college, uh, parents completely write her off, uh, you know, basically it's like, hey, you know, you're on your own, you're we're not 18. paying for your, yeah, Fine. you know, yeah. you didn't do exact, you didn't do exactly what we told you to do, how we told you to do it, so we're not paying you any, you know, you need oh, to get, you need to pay your car insurance, your, your college, your, you know, everything's done, we're not covering anything. And so now this, this person who effect, who legally isn't mom is trying to bail her daughter out. Right. And, and the thing is, is that a narcissist doesn't give a rat's crap about anybody right you know no. they care about themselves right and whoever they hurt they're even their own children they will do it 
with, and they'll justify it. Oh, yeah. I'm sure if you were friends with this, these people, they would explain to you why it was inappropriate. And they probably have most people convinced, oh, oh yeah. yeah, you know, that child needs to be... So here's know. the thing. Most 18-year-olds, especially if they have been raised by an abuser, do not have the ability... Emotional maturity. The emotional right? maturity. Because you got to remember, narcissists are two-year-olds at best. <laughs> and they instill such bad self-esteem into the child that by the time the child is 18, they're more like 10 Okay, and so the kids playing catch up with self-esteem, with personal responsibility, with you know job hunting, teeth cleaning, physical care, hygiene, you name it. And so very few seventeen and eighteen-year-olds are able to leave the nest and take care of themselves. Now I was kind of a weird exception because I was so desperate to get out. I was like, I will take whatever job I can get. Get me the hell out of here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So. You know, but most 18-year-olds that are raised by narcissists, they're lost. Yeah. And, and they don't know what to do because the narcissist is constantly telling them what to think, when to think it, what to do. You do this, you do that. And if you don't do exactly what I tell you to do, I'm going to kick you out. Well, then they kick them out and the kid's waiting for somebody to tell them what to do. Yeah. So that's a self-esteem issue. So the best thing that, a, that this parent can do is get this kid into therapy and get them working on their self-esteem and their own agency. They need to understand that they have a right to be their own agent. So really important, really important. That's a really good point. So yeah. I think we'll wrap it up there. Is there anything else you want to add before we do that? Uh, Just be good to yourselves. Do a lot of self care. If you are in the middle of one of these custody battles, you must be drinking enough water, eating healthy food, exercising, talking with your friends, ask for help, ask for help, ask for help. It's really important to have somebody to vent to. And Dwayne, I just want to say thank you for being there. For the guys, especially because I think that people forget that men are the victim of female narcissists and in some cases, same sex narcissism. So yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, thank you. You're awesome. I appreciate it. And thank you for coming out here to do this. This is awesome. I know. This is great. I'll leave all of uh, her links in the uh, description below. If if I make this into a podcast, I'll put it in the show notes. But uh, all right, guys, thanks. Check her channel out. Subscribe to her stuff. And we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.